listening to the Save the Marriage podcast. Your marriage can be saved and strengthened if you have the right information. Join Dr. Lee Bauckham as he explores ways for you to improve your relationship and your life, starting right now. Well, there's one guarantee about being in relationships, and that is that if you're in long enough, you're going to have conflict. If it's close enough, you're going to have conflict. And the question is how to turn conflict in intimacy. The good news is that my guest today, Mari Frank, is an expert in that. In fact, she wrote the book on that. So uh, along with being an expert in how to turn that conflict into intimacy, Mari is also a, uh, has a law degree and a master's in psychology and is an attorney and a mediator for divorce for over 30 years. So she's seen the effects of uh, what happens when that conflict gets out of hand. So Mari, thank you so much for being here. I look forward to hearing about how we move from conflict to intimacy. But first, tell us a little bit about how you got to here. Well, thank you, Lee. I love being on your show. Uh, well, I was in law school and I had just put my husband through medical school for eight and a half years, just had a a child and, um, things were, I thought going well and it, it wasn't going well apparently because I found out that my husband was having an affair with his 22 year old secretary. So after 18 years of marriage, we parted and it was not a good divorce. It was not healthy. It was very painful. I felt very betrayed and all the terrible things that you feel when you have this kind of a situation in divorce. And divorce is not easy for anybody. It's like pulling a basket apart of of this tightly woven communication between the two of you. And so that was the start of really wondering what was it in me that would cause this. So I had just become a lawyer, by the way, at the same time. And when you're a lawyer, you, especially a trial lawyer, you are fighting. (laughs) You are out there as an advocate for your clients. And I realized that that was not the best way to resolve conflict. So I did, in the middle of all of this, I took extensive mediation training. I already had my master's in psychology, and I I knew that there had to be a better way than just fighting. And so from that terrible divorce and having two little kids at the same time, uh, I realized that I did not want to litigate divorce. And I ended up being a peacemaker in the mediation process for divorce. And I've been, as you said, I've been doing divorce now for 33 years and I do not litigate. I have husband and wife in the same room. And I have to tell you, Lee, and I know you've seen this yourself, the, the things that destroy relationships are blame, criticism, attacks, accusations, distrust, disrespect, all those things appear over a period of time and really cause people to fall out of love and to distrust and to end up having um, a disillusion of marriage. So I decided that this is not how I want to live my life where I'm just helping people to resolve conflict. Although, you know, it's a good idea and it's helpful if you are not able to be together, then you do want to have a peaceful divorce. But I've had 22 couples over these years who have actually gotten back together. And so I, even though I have a master's in psychology, I don't consider myself a psychologist. I am really a, uh, I, I'm a solutioneer 
<laughs> and I practice solutioneering. And so my story really is from my own deep pain of going through a divorce. I didn't want other people to have that same pain. I wanted them to, if they do have to part, to part collaboratively, to part with respect and to part in a way where they can co-parent positively so the kids are supported and feel good about themselves. My kids, I had to spend a fortune on therapy for them because we didn't do it right. And I'm, I'm embarrassed in some ways to say that I was part of that escalation of conflict and so was he. And of course, now many years later, we can be civil to each other. We can be in the same place. But it it was very, very hard on my kids, and it was very hard on me. But it was a blessing in disguise because I, I had to go deep and learn and grow. And so now I can help other couples so they don't have to go through this. I can help couples and coach people so they don't have to be in that place of fighting or fighting or fleeing, you know, and, and that very difficult place in their brain where they're just in their primitive brain and they can't think through things, they can't problem solve, they can't do anything. So that's kind of my story is from my pain, I want other people not to have that pain. Yeah, sometimes I've had some unkind things to say about the divorce industry. <laughs> and, uh, and I think yeah. part of that is uh, well-earned. There are a group of um, divorce attorneys that really see their job to take it apart. And, um, and I, I think that they recognize that that's a painful piece, but they certainly, you know, you talked about these pieces of blame, uh, of uh, criticism and attack and accusations and dist distrust and disrespect those tend to be the linchpins of how those cases go, right? <laughs> it's like they add yeah. in fuel to that. And then there's another group of, uh, of attorneys who see the pain and want to make it a peaceful process, want to make it a collaborative process. When I talk to those people, one of the th regrets I hear from them is they don't know how to keep it out of their office in the first place. You know, how to, how to, how to stop the divorce, not in their office, but, you know, six months or six years before that. And it sounds like that's where your path has taken you of having seen these couples who got to your office and deciding against it, uh, kind of turned it back for you. I, one of my turning events was when a couple on the way to the attorney's office just stopped by my office. They saw the sign, they stopped by my office, they were going to sign the papers. And they said, you know, we just thought, what the heck? One last try. I happen to be available. Yeah. We happen to have a discussion. They happen to never have, have finished, but that's a rare exception. Yes. Usually by the time it's gotten to that point, it's a pretty acrimonious situation. So um, talk a little bit about how you shifted to that earlier focus. What was it that drove that? What was the, the piece that got your attention that made you back up away from just of, of doing the mediation and that kind of thing to trying to move to uh, the pre-destruction uh, process. Yes. Well, let me tell you a little story about, and it's very similarly to what you had where the people had the, let's give it one last try. I had a couple, though the woman was a professor at a local university and husband was a executive who was make, they were very, very wealthy people and wife, uh, husband had a heart attack. And so after his heart attack, he became distant and 
angry and took it out on his wife. And she said, I'm not putting up with this. And she ended up having an affair. And they came to me and we talked things out and we were dividing up monies and businesses and all sorts of things. And, um, and then, you know, we started talking about like, what really happened here? Why? Why was this going on? And she said, you know, I just felt abandoned by you. And then he said, well, I felt abandoned by you and I felt scared and I thought I was going to die and I didn't feel supported and I didn't feel respected. So, you know, they started talking about their underlying feelings and we were almost at the end by that time. And then I had all the paperwork ready, like you're talking about, Lee, all ready to sign. And they came in and they said, you know, Mari, we really want to just give this a try because now we understand the other person. We understand we are not in the defensive or offensive mode. We're really in the listening. And that's one of the things that I taught him to do was that really the active listening, as you would call it, or the effective listening that I seem to call it. And with that change, they started to fall in love again. And every year I get a Christmas card, and this was like 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, that showing me that it doesn't have to end if there's still some love there. And if there's a new significant other that's deeply involved, it's going to be harder to get back together. But if there is still some love underneath and there's just so much deep hurt, but they're able to get down to it, that's when I tell people, when you come to mediation, I don't know if we're going to get a divorce or I don't know if you're going to get back together. I have no vested interest in filing with the court. It's up to you. I'm here to help you resolve your conflicts. And that has proven really well. I've had people who've tried to get back together and they at least can co-parent. They can be good friends. And, you know, most of them cannot because they, by the time they come to my office, they haven't spent time at your office enough, you know? And so by the time they come to my office, there is so much that's gone on that they have already pretty much closed the door. But sometimes the door can be reopened. So I have felt that why not do workshops, do trainings, do coaching to help people so they don't have to come to my door? That if anything, they can go to your office and get a little help to get them over the hump. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's interesting to me how I just watch how many marriages I think fail unnecessarily. There are some that are just going to fail. I mean, and for me, and a lot of people contact me and they're like, oh, so what are you going to do? My wife wants a divorce or my husband wants a divorce and I do too. And I'm like, don't contact me, right? I mean, you, <laughs> no, no issue there. But right. the question is how many um, fall apart when both people are going, yeah, I don't really want this. And one of the things that often surprises people is how rarely people are 100% committed to the divorce. You know, how, how rare some people get divorced and they're still going, yeah, I'm not quite sure. You know, and yeah. that's always my uh, sadness when people are telling me that they, they just didn't really want that. They just didn't know what else to do. Right. And I think people get ambivalent. I know I was ambivalent either sure. also about my divorce. And, and I have couples right now in mediation with me. And I have a, a woman who um, they were living in, in Europe and he had several affairs and she kept taking him back and they have lots of kids and she didn't want to give it up. And, 
And then she finally said, I can't take this. And then she said, well, maybe I can take it Mm -hmm. because, you know, my kids love him and I don't want to break up the marriage. So people get ambivalent for a lot of different reasons. But I, I think the bottom line is you have to, if you are really ambivalent, give it a chance to get some help. Don't uh, go to that therapist, go to somebody who can walk you through it. Go, even if your spouse won't go to therapy with you, get some individual counseling Mm -hmm. because what I've learned, and I know you know this from your profession, that when one person changes, the other person can try to be the same way, but it doesn't, it it isn't the same. Mm -hmm. So if I don't want to engage in the cross accusations or I don't want to engage in the defensiveness, it stops. Mm. It only takes one person to de-escalate conflict. Yeah. If you change the dance steps, the other person either keeps tripping over the same steps or they have to change their dance too. So let's talk a little bit about, um, you, in, in your book, Fighting for Love, talk a little bit about how conflict can move to intimacy. Well, you know, I think conflict is a gift. And in my book, we were going to call, I wrote it with a therapist who's a good friend of mine. We've done lots of workshops on love. And we were going to call the book The Gift of Conflict. But people said, who wants to get a gift of conflict? Yeah, I'll take that one back. (laughs) but, But I do, in essence, think that conflict is a gift. Because when you're in conflict, the solution is hidden in that conflict, right? And when you have conflict, it means that something that is important to you and something that is important to the other person is at crossroads. And it can be a gift if you discuss it, if you learn from each other, you can create something new and wonderful and you can get beyond it. And I'm happy to say that now um, I'm married 18 years, although I was with him quite a bit longer since we knew each other before we got married, but we practice what we preach. You know, he's a general contractor, so he <laughs> he's a real macho man. But when it comes to our relationship, we are we have that intimacy because I do walk my talk. I never engage in disrespect. I never engage in accusations. I never engage in offensive or defensive approaches. I I know that if I'm having a problem, I'm going to say, you know, I'm really uncomfortable with this right now. Let's, let's talk about it. Or when you say that, that, I felt really hurt. So, you know, I don't understand what you meant. Tell me more about what you're feeling. So we do that all the time. Because even when you have a loving relationship, you're going to have conflict because we're different people. We see the world differently. And we have different needs. So the idea is to get below those uh, surface concerns and get deeper to say, what is it that you really want? You know, Um, I'll say something like, oh, let's go here this weekend. He'll go, I don't want to do that. You know, and it gets all creepy and I'll go, oh, what's, what's that really about? He goes, you know what? I work all week. I'm right now on a job that takes me four hours back and forth. I'm exhausted. And I go, oh, okay, I get it. All right, I'm going to back off. So I think it's a matter of of really questioning what's happening underneath whatever that anger is or that upset is and being respectful of each other. 
So, yeah, I have. Yeah, go ahead. We go that. But when you talk about that, you talk about questioning what's behind it. Um, in my experience, um, recognizing there's something behind it is probably more than half the battle because sometimes the person, I mean, for instance, you say, so what's behind that? It's possible that he doesn't even know. He's not in, right. aware of it. He's not connected with it. The, the built-in part of that is you assuming there's something behind it, not him just you know, trying to be controlling, trying to keep you from doing what you want to do, trying to ruin your weekend, trying to take over your life, trying to, you know, call the shots, whatever. You didn't assume that. You assumed, hmm, there's something behind that for him. I wonder what it is. Right, right. So I, and, and I try not to really assume because you know that word assume, <laughs> make an ass of you and me. So I yeah. try not to assume. I'll just say something like, okay, tell me what's going on, you know? Uh, how come you reacted like that? How come you got so angry about that? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, and I, I, it's not like in a, in a pressure situation because he, he may be so exhausted. He doesn't want to talk about it. So that's another thing that I think we have to remember is when somebody is in a place of not feeling well or having an, a great deal of stress or something to kind of back off and wait for an opportune time. Part of, Resolving conflict is understanding when you can do it. You know, there's three ways to think about when you're going to go into conflict. There's what is the issue, uh, so the content, then the procedure, when are you going to talk about it, where are you going to talk about it, how are you going to talk about it, and then relationship. How how can we enhance the relationship without assuming or attacking or or getting angry? So um, I think when you were saying a minute ago about a lot of people don't even stop and think about it, that's a really critical issue, which is pause. When you get that feeling that you you feel offended, someone says something nasty to you, your spouse says something nasty to you, or flippant, or why didn't you do this, or why did you make that dinner again, or why aren't you doing this with the kids, you know, to stop, not immediately have a knee-jerk reaction, but stop, feel that discomfort. For me, you know, if I, if someone attacks me, I feel like a knife in my solar plexus. I, I stop, I feel it, and then I can react, uh, respond. If you react, you're in that primitive brain, right? You, you know, that amygdala that's ready to fight or flee or freeze, I stop, pre breathe, pause, and then I say, tell me more about that. Even if I don't want to hear it, I'll say, tell me more about that. And then I can listen and hear and see what's going on so that I can then kind of repeat back. So my, my process would be in turn, to turn that conflict into intimacy is to really listen then repeat back what my spouse says. Maybe reframe it a little bit if he says you're a jerk or something, which thank God he doesn't. But um, I can say, I hear that you're upset that dinner wasn't ready tonight. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Let's talk about that. What kind of day did you have? And then, you know, kind of in, engage in solutioneering. And, and, and if I did something that really wasn't what I promised to do, then I'm going to say I'm sorry and I'm going to do it differently. 
So we never let the conflict escalate out of control. We stop it as soon as it starts by listening, repeating back, and then engaging in what I call solutioneering, which is problem solving. So it's interesting you you point to that reaction point. I think I do think that there is a space, you know, right before we click into that fight flight mode, there is a space there. It's not a big space. And a lot of people miss that space. They don't even know that it's there. Um, and so I'm wondering um, how to catch that space, how to figure out that the space is actually there. Because if people have been habitually reacting, the habit is there is no space. Right. So how can you begin to look and find that space? Yeah. And that gets to the issue of mindfulness. If you, you know, for me, because I live this all the time, I see it all the time. Uh, I'm very mindful. And, and I think my husband has become very mindful as well. Uh, he might say something or I might say something. And then I immediately stop and say, gee, I didn't mean it that way. Hmm. And I'm just tired or, gee, you know, I've been sick. Um, so the, being mindful of, hey, what am I saying is, is making a commitment to mindfulness, making that commitment. And so for me, I always pause. Whenever I hear anything that appears to me negative, whether it's my kids or my clients or anybody, I have a habit that I've learned, like you were talking about a habit. I've learned to stop and not say anything till I breathe. And then what happens is it actually comes to the forefront of my frontal prefrontal cortex, whereas my executive, executive functioning where I can think again. And then I say, I might even say, ouch, <laughs> wow. I, I, I might even say, wow, I, I didn't know you felt that way. And, you know, I want to hear more. Even if I don't want to hear more, I do want to hear more because once I hear more, if I don't know what's going on, I can't deal with it. Yeah. So not so much want to, but need to. Here, boy. Right. Yeah. So um, one of my central theories of my program is that what we're trying to do is create a relationship of being a we. we we're a team. We're in this together. What I notice is that so many people start with who's going to win this one, you know, and that's not a team approach. It's interesting um, just today. Um, so uh, earlier today, I, I'm working on a, uh, a jujitsu project. Um, it's a, a book that um, is a, a whole nother realm of play realm. And so I'm working with somebody else on that. So jujitsu is what I do. And it's an interesting place to be because when I go in, there is an oppositional nature, you know, to that you're fighting with somebody, but you're right. cooperatively working on getting better at something. And so there are some crossover points that I've seen, but we were talking about quotes and, uh, and I was pulling up quotes from the art of war you know, which ah. is basically how to win any battle. Right? And right. it occurred to me how different that is than what we're talking about, because I have a belief that conflict in relationships should always be in the service of progress. That if a conflict is not about making the relationship better, it's a waste of time and a waste of energy and not just a waste, but destructive. Yes. It does damage to the relationship. And so, and yet when I talk with couple after couple, their mindset is not at that point. So you have to, in, to, to get to these ways of dealing with 
this already have assumed that you're trying to solve something as a team to get things to a better place. Exactly. And, and I know for me, even in my own relationship, you know, we always say how wonderful and how happy we are that we want this marriage to work. You know, he was married before and I was married before. So we know the difference. I think it's harder when you've never been married before and you've only had your parents as your role models who might not have had the best relationship. Mm-hmm. So I think that team effort that you're talking about is really the key is that we, it's our relationship, it's our love, it's what we want to do. We are a, a unit here. We're individuals, yet we're together and we're there to support each other. So I have um, six A's that I like to remember that I think are the keys to a loving relationship. So the first one is um, attention. You know, really pay attention to your spouse. So when I'm speaking to my husband. I don't want him on, you know, looking at his uh, playing a game on on his smartphone. I I really feel like I'm not getting the attention I need. And when he's speaking, I want to give him full attention. And I think that's a huge issue, especially nowadays when we're into all this technology. We aren't hearing each other. You go to a restaurant and you see a couple and they're both on their on their smartphones. And I think it's it really is a way to separate us, even though we say, oh, we're so connected by the internet and you and I are connected by Zoom. It's wonderful, but we're really not connected when we're not looking at each other. We're not engaging with each other. So attention, giving each other loving attention is really one A. Another A is acceptance. And this is, um, you know, I have to accept him for who he is and he has to accept me for who I am. And that isn't always easy because some people go into a marriage and think, oh, I'm going to change him. (laughs) I'm going to change her and I'm going to control or she's going to control or he's going to control. And those control is a big issue in divorce. I can tell you that. I mean, I've seen so many women that have just and it, it isn't always women, but the majority seem to be these women who acquiesce and acquiesce and then get angry and leave. Mm-hmm. So that's another one. So acceptance is really accept me for who I am. That doesn't mean I can't hear what you're saying and grow. If my husband says something, do you know what you did just now? And I go, wow, I didn't even realize it. I can grow. Thank you. That's okay, but but accepting who I am, my personality, and what my my feelings are. I mean, we are politically different, and so we've decided we can't talk about politics together. We can talk about spirituality together. We can talk about family together. There's just certain boundaries that we have to met, and that's another thing: having boundaries. Okay, well, another before one. Before you is, go on, though, I just uh, it's interesting. Um, so I have some friends who completely disagree with their politics, a belief system or lots of other things. But what's interesting to me is the conversations that do work around that are having conversations about how they see it that way, not what yes. they see, right. but how did they come to see that? Um, yes. And I think when you do that, one of the things that happens is you start understanding how people can see things differently, but also you start understanding what some of what makes up 
your spouse? You know, what makes them yes. unique uh, without worrying about where you disagree? So I just kind of want right. to throw that in. That's part of acceptance, figuring out where right. they come it from. Is. Yeah, I have to accept that. And that's exactly what we've both said. When people, when we go out to dinner and people are talking politics and they go, what do you think? What do you think? And we go, well, you know, we see things differently. And I accept where he is. He has every right to think the way he thinks. And I and he accepts the way I think. So that that's another one that's really, I think, important, whether it's religion or anything that is close to somebody's heart or mind. Mm-hmm. Another one is appreciation. Uh, oh, my goodness. I think this is a huge one. Uh, every night before we go to bed, my husband and I tell each other three things that we're grateful for. It might be just grateful that, you know, that the, the clients were wonderful today or, you know, the dogs were you know, not unruly. <laughs> it could be little, it could be big. And that that thing before you go to sleep is really a wonderful thing to do with each other and to also show appreciation for each other. Thank each other for everything. You know, I do that all the time and he appreciates that. So I think appreciation it goes a long way for, for every every relationship. And that's, you're really talking about appreciation for, that's, this is not a, just an appreciation for your spouse, but being in an appreciative space. Yes. yes. An attitude of gratitude, mm-hmm. but especially with your spouse, because some people I see are very appreciative outside the home and then they forget to do that at home mm-hmm. with their family. And so I think having it again at, at that conscious level of I'm going to be appreciative and not, you know, I, I noticed I, I took eight couples to Puerto Vallarta to do a fighting for love retreat. And they'd all been married 25 years or 30 years or whatever. And um, what was interesting is they all recognized as we did a lot of the exercises that they had become complacent. They didn't say thank you for the things that their spouses did. And I think after, especially in a long-term marriage, it's very easy to become complacent and not take the time to be loving and respectful and and be appreciative of everything. So, yeah, it's it, it's great to have an attitude of gratitude for everybody, but especially your loved ones. Mm-hmm. And then the next one um, is allowance, really allowing the other person to – it's very much like acceptance, but it goes a little bit deeper of really allowing for that growth of each other and mm-hmm. helping each other in that growth. And then finally, the sixth one is. Wait, was um, there a, I, I missed one somewhere. I've got four is allowances. Oh, oh, you know what? <laughs> I, I, the last one is well. Let me. You're right. The next one is um, affection. <laughs> How yeah. could I forget that one? Yeah. Affection is really important. Holding hands, holding hands at church, holding hands as you walk down, you know, to go to the movie house. Um, Loving, making love, all those things, and really being affectionate with each other. That's so important for a relationship. It's like the glue that holds a relationship together. And if you have problems in, you know, relationships with regard to affection, then, you know, see a therapist about that. It isn't just about sex, but sex is important as well as just that hugging, uh, having kisses, Having um, just time to snuggle together on the couch, those are really important times. And again, I think that the smartphones get in between a lot of that 
And so it's important. Affection is, is a key ingredient. And a lot of people will come into mediation and say, well, we don't even sleep in the same bed anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't touch anymore. And I, I think that's a big mistake. Yeah. And then finally, assurance. This is a big one that I know that I can be trustworthy and that I can trust you. If I'm in a relationship like this couple that I told you that I've been dealing with just recently is that there is no trust when someone is flirting with someone um, in front of you or behind your back or texting some uh, someone uh, outside of the relationship. That is not a, a, a good indication that you're going to be trusting of each other. Mm-hmm. And I think trust is critical. If I know that that I can trust when my husband says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. When he's going to be somewhere, he's going to be there. And if he's not, he's going to text me or call me or whatever. And the same thing for me. I can rely on his word and he can rely on my word. And I see the lack of trust in relationships. That's when they come to my office as well. They're not trusting of each other. So those are the six. So those six pieces um, both set the stage when there is conflict. You, it's an easier time to work through conflict if those are working. And they are also some ways of getting away from a deeply conflictual relationship, you know, one that has been plagued by conflict. It kind of goes both ways, that, that that process allows an interweaving of those two pieces. Folks, you're going to conflict, but if conflict an act that people can remember called hard when people end up in conflict i have an acronym to help them to recall how to get out of it and it's called hard love and we'll start with h i'm going to first give you the the thing Uh, the words, and then I'll go over it with you. H stands for halt, stop. Uh, A stands for anger control. R stands for reverse negativity. D stands for disengage. L stands for listen. O stands for openly mirror back. V stands for voice your questions. And E stands for Embrace Solutions. Okay, so let's go through the first one. Let's say you're in um, some kind of a tiff with your spouse um, about driving. That seems to be a big one where the one spouse is driving what the other spouse thinks is erratically. Say, I don't like the way you're driving. Slow down. So... The first thing you want to do before you react with a knee-jerk reaction, don't tell me how I'm driving, is to stop, halt. And that's where we do that pause that we were talking about earlier, Lee, where you halt, you breathe, and then you respond. Okay, the second thing you do is anger control. So all of us have a place in our bodies where we feel that anger. Some people tell me they feel it like a tightness in their shoulders. Some people tell me that they feel it like their face gets red. Or for me, the solar plexus gets a knife. Whatever it is, stop and feel it. Ask yourself, where am I feeling 
this in my body. You know, you've got chemicals going on. You've got adrenaline, cortisol, all sorts of chemicals that are happening in your body when you get angry in that fight, flight, flee response. So feel it. And once you have that feeling like, oh, okay, I'm feeling angry and my shoulders are getting tight, breathe into it, feel it. Then the next one is our reverse that reaction. And how you reverse it is you actually breathe into it a couple deep breaths and it dissipates. It actually works to to reset your body and reset your brain. So now you can disengage. You don't have to escalate and yell back, don't tell me how to drive. (laughs) You disengage. The next thing you do is you listen. And you, you might hear what they're saying. They're, they're saying, hey, I'm scared when you drive around that corner like that. Or, hey, uh, you know, I was in an accident before. I mean, I have a, a couple that we're friends with. And she told me, she says, I've been in an accident. And when my dr- husband drives like that, that's, we start fighting about it. Because I went through a terrible accident and I feel that same feeling like it's going to happen again the way he's driving. So listen actively so the husband can listen and say, okay, I understand you were in an accident and I understand that, that you're fearful about this. Okay, I'm, I'm going to slow down. I don't want to put you in that f- state of fear. Then, oh, openly mirror. And that would be where you repeat back, I heard what you said. This is what I heard you said. I hear this is what I heard you say and say, did I get it right? That when you were 10 years old, you were in a bad accident. And I heard you say that everybody was in the hospital and that is still bothering you when we are in a car and you feel fear. Is that right? So that way the other person is, is being heard. Then ask open-ended questions like, well, okay. So, how do you want to deal with this? Uh, how do you want to deal with your fear? What can we do so that you're more comfortable? I can slow down, but what can you do in terms of how you speak to me when we're driving? Because when you speak to me like that, I get all agitated and then, you know, it's not healthy for either of us when we're driving. So then you get into a problem solving mode of, okay, what are we going to do when this happens again? And you share ideas about how you're going to do it. And then finally, E is embrace solutions. Okay, what is our solution then? Our solution is that when we're driving and I'm going the speed limit and I slow down, I'm going to be driving, you know, less aggressively. And what are you going to do? Well, I'm not going to watch the road. (laughs) I'm going to look at my phone and look at my emails or something so that I don't engage with you on this. So that's what they were doing. That was just one of the options that they did for just a very simple thing. So one of the things I've noticed about the, it's two words, hard and love. And hard is really disengaging from reaction. It's about backing away from reaction. And love is about engaging in the relationship. How do you move away from this being... Uh, me versus you to how do we come to a different piece? Right. 
How, what is the solution? Which is why I call it solutioneering. I used to say, let's problem solve. And that was such a negative word that I decided to say, let's, let's do some solutioneering. Yeah. And that way it is like you call it a team effort because really and truly when both parties understand each other, they can, they can each say what they're willing to do to meet the other party's needs while still meeting their own needs at the same time. So Mari, this has been great information. You got some uh, easy ways for people to remember. They got six A's to remember and then how to remember hard love. Um, And so just in the closing moments, you, uh, the, the book is fighting for love. Talk about how to find some more information about that book and about you. Okay. So the book is fighting for love, turn conflict into intimacy it's a couple's guide, and you can find that on Amazon, but you can also find it at our website, fightingforlovenow.com. And up in the left-hand upper corner, there's a free gift. You can get not only – you can get a copy of the six A's and how to implement them, as well as the uh, first chapter of our book and see if it's something that you're comfortable with. And, of course, we, we have other things on there blogs and um, videos that we link to at our uh, Fighting for Love Now. Uh, is, we also have that for our YouTube page, and we give lots of tips. I wrote the book with a therapist who's been a therapist for almost 40 years, and so he he's like you. He gets them before they come to me, and we try and help each other to resolve uh, issues so people don't have to get a divorce. So yeah, so fightingforlovenow.com and also conflicthealing.com is where they can listen to my my own podcast. It's a radio show. It's called Fighting for Love. And so they can listen for free as that and also go to our podcast. And we're going to have you on our podcast. <laughs> so is there a link to the podcast from fightingforlovenow.com? Yes, there is. Okay. All right. So I I know a lot of people listen to a podcast while you're walking or driving or doing something where your attention is otherwise diverted. So because of that, we always put the link in the show notes. Um, So you'll find the link to fightingforlovenow.com. But uh, if you could remember that, just go pay a visit. Otherwise, check out the show notes for fightingforlovenow.com. Mari, thank you so much for all the information you shared. And um We look forward to having people go figure out how to turn that conflict into intimacy. That's great. Thank you, Lee. And we'll have you on our show too. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Save the Marriage Podcast. For more information and help, please visit us at savethemarriage.com.